number two of the Bill Michaels Show. Good to have you. Good to have you. Um, boy, got a lot of a lot of conversation over on the live stream. Mark the Shark just hates Goody. GMs are not hard to find. Yeah, they are. You have by that statement alone, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. GMs, no, you're right. You can find a GM anywhere. Good ones are hard to find. Good ones that know all about scouting and talent and tracking guys down and being able to go and see them themselves and being able to rate talent and figure it out. Yeah, that's those are that's difficult. That's difficult. Uh, it's like saying, oh, well, running backs are a dime a dozen. No, they're not. You can find a lot of them, but good ones, yeah, they're hard to find. Good ones with innate ability and instinct, yeah, they're hard to find. Otherwise, everybody would have a great one. Hard to find. You know, that's it. 877-867-1670, Let's go to Tyler listening to us in Brookfield. Tyler, welcome to the program, man. How you doing today? Doing good, Bill. How's it going? Doing great. What are you thinking? Uh, first of all, uh, Mark, I think uh, all he's got going on upstairs is a monkey uh, clapping the cymbals together. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. But, but uh, what I wanted to talk about originally was it's not even not even the scheme that's the problem with the defense. It's the guy teaching the scheme. It's it's Joe Barry because just look at just look at who their opponent is this on New Year's Eve. The Minnesota Vikings. They made no material upgrade in their defense, and they went from I think it was like 29th or 30th, and now they're in the top five. Yeah. They went from a completely passive scheme and with Ed Donatel, and now they have a creative blitzer and creative play caller on defense everybody really there's no real defense that someone runs it's like whoa i've never seen that defense before either cover two cover cover three you know whether you're squatting corners you know every you know you all the you know all the jargon it's everybody runs pretty much a lot of the same stuff it's how you disguise your defense and it's how you can trick the quarterback and trick the other team and to think you're running one thing and you're completely running something different it's got nothing to, it's, it's about, like I said, it's about disguising your defense. And Joe Barry has absolutely zero clue how to disguise his defense. Even when he blitzes, it's obvious. It's, there's no creativity. It's, it's, there's just absolutely nothing in, no ingenuity with, with Joe Barry defense. Right. No, I'd agree with that. I, you don't see, uh, and appreciate the phone call, when you talk about the disguising of the defense, you don't see – five guys, six guys in the line of scrimmage, then a guy coming off of the edge, the rest of them backing out. You don't see a lot of the creativity back and forth. It's kind of just a straight, here it is, this is what we're playing, defense. Uh, What really, to me, kind of exemplified uh, how bad the call is via Joe Barry was in the Carolina game, third and one, and he's got two defensive tackles on the field split between the gaps on the outside, between the guard and the tackle. Nobody over the center. Nobody over the guard. And Bryce Young looked at it and just took the snap and followed the center. And it was one of the easiest first downs in the history of first downs. And I'm thinking, how in the hell do you just give them the middle of the field to say, go ahead, you you know, okay. How, how how do you do – how do you try not I, – I just – I didn't understand it, and I still don't. 
just to add but, to that, there was another yeah, third down bill. They had 12 men on the field. Matt LaFleur had to take a timeout. Yeah. I think that was in the I, fourth quarter as well. Right. I, I I just remember looking at that in the All-22, and I'm thinking – because I saw a, a, um, a highlight of it. On, I don't know what it was on one of the, you know, the social media networks. And I thought, okay, I, I got to go back and take a look at it. So I went and looked at the All-22, and I'm like, oh, my God. Some of the alignments that these guys – either either – one of two things I thought when I was looking at that. I I was looking at it as either the guys that are on the field are completely misaligned and they're not in the proper place. Or the package Joe Barry ran out there was one of the stupidest calls in the history of a defensive coordinator. Take your pick, but it's either the players or the, or the coach. And when the players, including a guy like Jair, says we're just running what's called, you know, I get the sense that guys, and we, we heard this with Rasul, we heard this with other guys, very quietly speaking like, yeah, we're just doing what they want us to do, you know. And you're thinking to yourself, but yet you hear about communication from Matt LaFleur all the time. I, I can't imagine that that's what they would run. I, it was just giving them the first down. Here you go. It wasn't like there was anybody really to stuff. I mean, had they created any kind of a gap, I mean, it could have been a 10-yard pickup because there was nobody nobody for seven eight yards downfield that was even within range of of bringing down Bryce Young had he not just dove over the pile to pick up the first down he could have still been running so I I I would agree I I think you're going to find out what kind of level of talent you have next year whatever new defensive coordinator comes in let's go to uh Bill listening to us in Green Bay Bill how you doing today man what's going on really good happy new year by the way you Um, too appreciate it yeah, I just wanted to point out I'm so sick of the fired Gutekunst crowd. I think you alluded to the first round or the uh, draft picks this year. You you forgot about Devontae White, Quay Walker, uh, yeah. Brooks, and I and I think the most important thing that everybody forgets about Gutekunst is I've never seen a pro personnel guy that could find players you need when you need them to play defense on anybody else's practice squad, third stringers, whatever. He's brought in some quality guys for minimum contracts when you needed them desperately. And people forget about that. But the real reason I called, Bill, is the defensive coordinator. It's an it's an abomination. This guy's never been good. And we've never had a good defense since, really, Fred Shermer. And uh, this all goes back to fourth and 26. Right. What yep. what I need to understand, and, you know, I don't have all the answers. Sometimes I think I do, I guess. But um, right now, you know, you see guys calling for this D coordinator and that D coordinator, and some are 4-3 guys and some are 3-4 guys, and, and we're running a, a mostly 3-4 squad right now. And admittedly, probably 60% of the snaps are nickel in, in the NFL right now anyway. Right. How big is a transition would it be for the Packers to go to 4-3 if – they find a 4-3 guy, and how long does that take? Because right now you've got a lot of young talent on offense playing on rookie deals, and you know the, the opportunity to strike is right now. What is your opinion on how long it takes to transition from 3-4 to 4-3 personnel, and um, can that you, be done in a year's time? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you can. I appreciate the phone call because it's interesting. It depends. Um, and you're right, because most of the time defensive coordinators are playing nickel anyway. Um, there's a lot more nickel being played. But when you go 4-3, Matt LaFleur will argue they do have four linemen. 
because they're using the outside linebackers as linemen. Sometimes when you go with four down linemen and two outside backers, that leaves you five more to, you know, like a middle linebacker, and then you've got your four more defensive backs if you go in that direction. But I've, I've always been a big believer of winning in the trenches. And the philosophy of the Green Bay Packers seems to be give up the trenches and let the other guys make plays while rushing the line of scrimmage. Or try to keep them into down and distance situations where you can then get a good, you know, pass rush on them or what have you, and then try to keep everything in front of you, and therefore that's how you get off the field. And I, this team just doesn't win in the trenches. You know, you got a guy. If I'm Kenny Clark, and you know Kenny Clark, he he gets you know man up every now and then, but he gets a lot of you know kind of you know man up blocking with another guy that's kind of chipping him, right? If I'm Kenny Clark and I'm toiling away at almost an anonymity because I, I'm by myself taking on the left side of an offensive line for the most part. And Devontae Wyatt's the same thing but the opposite side. It, how do you – because you're not blitzing linebackers. You're not – you are getting guys around the outside, but I just I, – I've never had an understanding when you've got five guys – up front, blocking two, how that works. Or three guys blocking two with guys coming around the edge, and if the guys coming around the edge get locked up one-on-one and they can't get a pressure, it's it, it, it gives your quarterback an extra second or two to get rid of the football, which means your secondary is not going to be as good because they got to cover longer. I, I, I've just been a big believer in the trenches, and the Packers just, under the Joe Barry defense, don't seem to give a damn about the trenches, which is what's frustrating. Uh, 877-867-1670. Let's go to Bob listening to us in Green Bay. Bob, how you doing today, man? What's going on? Not much, Bill. Appreciate the line. Hey, Bill, I want you to elaborate on a, a thought process that you've been working on with Barry. We're, we're talking as if it's a foregone conclusion that Joe Barry will be, you know, either he'll walk out on his contract or what's left of it, or he'll be fired at the end of the season. And I don't disagree with you. The thing is, is I remember thinking exactly that way a year ago. And at LaFleur's post, uh, postseason presser, he was borderline arrogant. Oh, I don't foresee any changes here. Right. And he, it was like he was living in a vacuum. I guess what I'm you've already touched on the fact that typically ownership or senior front at, front office staff don't meddle with the coaching staff. And you know what? I get it. I get it. That's the coach's call. But what gives you any reason to think that LaFleur isn't going to do exactly the same thing this year? I don't foresee any changes based on the same the same information he had a year ago. And I just want to kind of get your, your thought process behind that. I, there is no way, no way, and, and Bob, I appreciate the phone call. There is no way that you can go to the podium and make any more excuses for keeping Joe Barry around. There's no way. I, it, it, I would be, and I don't say shocked often, I would be shocked if they kept Joe Barry. I would be, I would be shocked. And as a fan, I would be vehemently outraged. Vehemently outraged. This defense has not been good for a long time. And you keep telling us, and again, 
next year, you're going to have more and more guys coming in, whether they're second round or first round or third round draft choices that are going to continue to fortify this team, and you're going to continue to run the same thing out there over and over again? There's no way, no way that you can look anybody in the eye if you're Matt LaFleur and say, we've got to bring Joe Barry back. There's no way. None. Because this is last year there was there was there was the the the, the talk via the media after the, the season about Joe Barry, about keeping the job. Okay? And there were some questions. And legitimately there was. And last year, Matt LaFleur, for continuity's sake, wanting to bring Joe Barry back and not wanting to change it up again. Okay? I understand that. So you were hoping via continuity was going to get better, and it hasn't. It's actually gotten worse. And we've seen quarterbacks who really aren't that good have career days against that defense. There is no way, no way Matt LaFleur can go to the podium and say, I'm keeping Joe Barry. None. None. I I would assume Gutekinds would come down out of the tower and yank the mic off the podium to say, no, Joe Barry's officially been fired. And maybe Matt LaFleur has now been fired too. That Matt LaFleur knows that his there is a tetherment of Matt LaFleur's job to Joe Barry's job. And if you're going to try to keep him, I would assume they'll say, Matt, you can go too. There's no way in hell, none, zero, zero percent chance that they keep Joe Barry. None. If they do, uh, I will be happy to bring all the pitchforks and all the torches, and I'll pass them out down the street as we storm 1265. There's no way in hell. That's the reason I say that. So I know uh, as a fan, you probably have some trepidation, but considering that the media is pressing him, Matt LaFleur, during the season, like, you know, and I love Bill Huber now. Bill Huber is my favorite guy in the world. When Matt LaFleur says, well, I'm trying to figure out solutions, when the whole time it's, it's such an incredibly bogus, condescending answer because your solution is to get rid of the problem. The problem is you'll bury. Okay, it could be some of the other players. It could be attitude, but clearly you've got a coach that's not getting through to the guys. So you're going to get rid of all the players. You're going to get rid of Joe Barry. And there's no way in hell Brian Gutekinds is going to say, oh, by the way, all those guys stink and I made a, I made a huge mistake. you got to keep Joe Barry and we're going to get rid of all the players. There's no way. So you got to get rid of Joe Barry. But then saying, well, I, you know, and then when, when he was asked why, why would you not fire Joe Barry? Well, I'm I, I'm I'm not going to talk about it. I'm, I'm no, BS. Why? Because of continuity's sake. And again, it goes back to the indictment of the rest of the coaching staff. If you don't feel anybody else has the capability to call defensive plays better than what you're seeing right now, or trying to teach better than what you're seeing right now, man, that's an indictment of your defensive staff. And if I'm any of those, if I'm Greg Williams, if I'm Alamadati, if I'm any of those guys, I'm going, what the hell, really? Really? I, I'm looked at as less than Joe Barry? I'm thinking, there's no way I want to be a part of this. So I, there's no way. No way they keep Joe Barry at the end of the season. I don't care if this defense pitches back-to-back shutouts. There's no way. No way. 877-867-1670. Uh, let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Got a lot of people on hold. Stay right where you're at. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I would swallow my pride, I would choke on the rhymes, but the 
back. Hey, you're ringing in the new year. Maybe you want to do like a house renovation, right? And you're going to put it in a new audio video system. ABC Audio Video, that's the way to go. Chris and the gang, great people. They can get it done. They're the ones that did my entire house. Whether it's the front room and they've hidden everything, all the components are behind the door with this incredible, whatever the kind of remote it is, that one remote operates everything. You can't see anything other than the TV on the wall or the big sound system downstairs with the 85-inch big screen and kind of the theater sound effects and all that stuff. Whatever it is, uh, Chris can do it for you. He put the TVs in my bar. He put the sound in the bar. He put the the uh, the big great room together. He just recently came out and redid everything in my living room as well. I, they do so much. Big jobs, like I've seen them wire entire hospitals before, all the way down to just doing something really cool in your home. That's ABC Audio Video. Go to abcaudiovideo.com, and uh, Chris Klug and the gang can help you out. Again, abcaudiovideo.com, abcaudiovideo.com. 877-867-1670, hit us up. Let's go to Damian listening to us in Marshfield. Damian, welcome to the program, man. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. Uh, just a couple things. First of all, I want to tell you, keep up the good work. I just love this show. I wish it was about eight hours long. <laughs> and you. second of all, second of all, I don't see it happening, but if this offense and defense, like you were talking before, takes a dump here in these last two weeks, do you think that LaFleur's job is on the line? I mean, I don't see it happening because, I don't know, it just seems like this offense is clicking and it seems like they have what it takes to go somewhere and score points. But if it were to go sour, do you think his job would be on the line? Yes, I do. Uh, if things go really bad over the next couple of weeks, they get blown out, say, by uh, who's the starter now uh, in – Jaron Hall, if they get blown out by yeah, Jaron Hall, Minnesota yeah. Vikings. Is he a, and, is he a running quarterback? Is he a running quarterback? Uh, right? He can move, yeah. Right? He, he, he's, yeah, oh, he, he can move, no doubt. But, yeah, exactly. Tommy know, DeVito kind of all over oh, again? Crap. Right, I know. Right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot. God, um, but, no, that's but a, if, you know what? If they get beat the next two weeks, yeah, I can see a change. Before. Yeah, okay. I can see okay. a change. If they get blown out and look bad doing it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I just, I just, I just felt so this Carolina loss. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't know. But no, I keep agree. up the good work, Bill, and you have a good New Year, and we'll we'll talk to you again next year. Okay. All right, buddy. Appreciate it, man. There you go. Uh, I, I, I don't think, and, I, and I've said it before, I think the way this season plays out is, depending on what happens, now if they look really bad over the next couple of weeks and things continue to kind of get sideways within the locker room or something, then maybe they make a move with Matt LaFleur. But I get the sense that Matt LaFleur is going to be back, Joe Barry is going to be gone, there's going to be some additional coaching changes. Um, and that's kind of the way they're going to move forward next year. I don't foresee Matt LaFleur getting fired unless things go really bad over the next two weeks. And then that just kind of adds to it, you know. Uh, James says seven, meaning Quay Walker is a major bust that nobody's talking about, just runs around and never makes any impact plays. Uh, James, it depends on how you're using him. How many times do you see him rushing the line? 
trying to, I mean, they, they got him in coverage more than anything. I, I don't look as Quay Walker, at, at Quay Walker as a bust at all because he's got talent. There are times he looks lost, but again, I don't want to say he's a bust until I see somebody else work with him. You know, I mean, um, Rashawn Gary didn't scare anybody his first couple of years. And then he started to come on. He started to develop. And I, I get that, you know, with all these first-round draft choices and second-round draft choices that are on this defense, and it should be better. And But I, I how do you know? How do you know if you're going to say it's Joe Barry, then how can you say it's the talent? You see what I'm saying? It, it, it just, it, nothing about this thing looks right. It, it just doesn't. So you tell me, because if you think it's the talent and Goody's picked a lot of busts, then you can't blame Joe Barry. Right? Yeah. Nobody wants to answer that question. You know, that's the whole argument over on the live stream right now is that it's all Goodikins guys and nobody scares them and, you know, okay, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, and those guys, they don't scare anybody. Okay, Lucas Van Ness doesn't scare anybody. Okay, I'll give you that. So then why would you blame Joe Barry? Right? And oh, by the way, Scott, or Scott, uh, I'm reading Scott's uh, post over there. He said, uh, if you want to criticize Walker for anything, it would be for him being immature. He hasn't had a lot of bad stupid, immature moves and penalties like he had last year. So his first year, yeah. His second year, no. He's He's been okay. But if you watch that guy athletically and talent-wise, you can't give up on him. He's got, he's got a ton of speed. He can tackle. He likes to hit. I just don't think they're utilizing him right. Right? I just don't. I, I think, and, and James, you're probably right more in the sense of the safety position is probably the weakest, and Darnell Savage has been up and down. He's not been what he was going back to his rookie season, and you came into this season with some scrap heap guys that you were trying to make something out of. I've liked some of the young guys that have had opportunities, but I would agree with that. The safety position has not something, has really not kind of, you know, lit it up by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm I'm not throwing the talent on Quay Walker until I see him utilized differently. And between him and Devondre Campbell, they've been both a little bit nicked up this season. I have this uh, this principle with corners, Bill, where it's like you know corners they're wired they're a little crazy, right? Right. So I think you tap into that craziness and you get the most out of them when you let them play man at least every once in a while. You let them go mano a mano with the receiver, and I think a, a linebacker like Quay could be thought of kind of similarly like yeah you can put him in a zone and you can have him play coverage but I think every once in a while you need to give him an opportunity to go crush the quarterback like rush the passer go go do something go hit someone and I wish they would use Quay a little bit more like that Micah Parsons wasn't thought of as a pass rusher until the Cowboys just said well he's really athletic let's let him try it and now he's one of the best in in football maybe the best so I agree and James says well he makes tackles but always from behind well so what if it's an outside run and he's and he's the only guy tracking it down, then of course it's going to happen. So what? That, that's what I. So are. But my question would then be: Is that the play in which he had upfront coverage? Was he a guy filling a gap? 
Or was he dragging the play down from behind because he's the fastest guy to catch up with the running back or the tight end or whomever? You know, you can say that. I mean, it's like people used to give A.J. Hawk all kinds of grief. You know, oh, A.J. Hawk made the tackle three yards downfield. Well, he's, he starts out three yards downfield. If they're keeping him stationary in the middle and the play comes to him, then that's where you're making the tackle. Same with Blake Martinez, by the way. Everyone said the same right. thing. Right, exactly. You know, um, uh, you, you see guys like just the other day when you saw that defense uh, of Baltimore. I mean, they were rushing their linebackers, which is the reason Patrick Queen was being moved inside and outside, and they were making plays. I mean, even McCaffrey, though, had a, still a good game. McCaffrey was the bright spot of that contest. But you still had Patrick Queen rushing the line of scrimmage and making plays at the line of scrimmage. You don't see that out of Quay Walker and Devontae Campbell very often. So if you're three yards downfield and you're making the tackle and you're not allowing much yardage after the contact, then it's still going to be a three-yard gain. But you're not going to criticize Quay Walker for making the tackle when he's stationary three yards downfield to begin with. You know? And, and again, is it so, like Kevin says, well, he doesn't make plays. Okay, you tell me where he's positioned to make the play. I'm not making excuses for him, but I think you're kind of labeling him a bust unfairly. If you just watch him, and I've done that, if you just watch him play, he is unbelievably fast. He is tenacious when it comes to tackling. You just have to utilize him differently. He's not a stationary, stand there, and shed lineman coming at him guy. I think you put him into motion. I think you shoot him in the gap. I think he's got the quickness and the ability. If you put more, if you put another defensive lineman down, that he can shoot a gap and maybe get to a quarterback. I think he's got that kind of speed. You, when was the last time you saw Quay Walker shoot a gap on a on a linebacker blitz getting after a quarterback? We're all scratching our head because I can't remember the last time I saw him actually shooting the gap on a blitz. Now they've asked him to shoot a gap on a blitz with two down linemen. Pardon, pardon the pun there, uh, Matt Lafleur, for not saying four when we all know it's only two. But I've seen him go up against a center and a guard. But he's not—he's not blasting through a center and a guard when the center and the guard don't have anybody else to take care of other than the blitzing middle linebacker. And they don't, they don't put him in that particular scenario very often. They always have him in coverage because he's the fastest linebacker they have. So, I, again, if you believe there's no talent, then don't get on Joe Barry. But if you believe there's talent there and Joe Barry is the problem, and he has no ability to teach at this point because I think it's falling on deaf ears, then you got to change Joe Barry. But you can't have it both ways. You can't say the talent sucks and Joe Barry sucks because that would be like blaming a race car driver because he's driving a Chevy Chevette against a bunch of Corvettes. You can't blame the driver. It's the car. You don't have enough engine to go. 877-867-1670. Uh, let's do this. Tyler Dunn of GoLongTD.com. He's going to join us coming up next. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more coming up right up. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Good to have you back. The Bill Michael Show. We continue on on this Friday. We made it. Friday. Getting ready to uh, get into the new year this weekend. Don't forget, we're going to be at Boondocks Barbecue Burgers and Brews coming up on uh, Sunday. We're going to have a Packers watch party. The Green and Gold postgame show going right up until midnight, ringing in 2024. There's going to be live music, beverages, food, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, really, really looking forward to it. Don't forget also uh, about coming on out and uh, getting a seat early, early. And uh, we're going to be there coming up this weekend. Uh, joining us now on the hotline, our guy, Tyler Dunn, golongtd.com, at Ty Dunn, D-U-N-N-E, over on uh, Twitter. Tyler, how you been, pal? I'm doing great, doing great. Good to uh, get through the Christmas season. I guess we're not there yet. January 2nd is always a nice, peaceful day, right, when you kind of leave the madness behind. But enjoying it, enjoying every second of right. it, man. How about you? We're doing good. Um, obviously, there's two big games coming up. First of all, let me let me get your outside perspective of the fact that uh, Joe Barry still has a job in Green Bay and Matt LaFleur has been very, uh, I guess, stonewalled when it comes to uh, his deflection of responsibility when it comes to Matt or when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, Joe Barry. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess LaFleur could have been LaFuming behind the scenes to Joe Barry. You know, maybe those conversations, those those harsh conversations are had. So I don't want to just overlook the fact that you're not getting a accurate depiction of pro football at a podium. Um, that being said, what in the hell was that? Like to deflect the blame to an offense that scored right. 30 points. It, it's, it's ridiculous. And if we're going to judge the actions of the head coach, um, it's insane that this is still the defensive coordinator. I, I this is the same conversation that everybody's been having back to last season, back to Bailey Zappi and Taylor Heineke lighting you up. And now it's, you know, Tommy Salami and uh, Bryce Young. You know, he's averaging 181 yards a game, and he goes for over 300 career day. It's You know, it's always something. It's a game of whack-a-mole with this Packers defense. You just know that something's going to rupture. Something's going to be an abomination on that Sunday. And it's a shame because – here we spent all offseason wondering if Jordan Love was good enough, if all of these young receivers were good enough. And they've had their growing pains, don't get me wrong. But he's, it's been Jordan Love in the offense bailing out the defense more than the other way around. When really, with right. all these first-round picks, that defense should be in a position to, to be the backbone of this team. And it's a backbone where it has, what, an L3 and an L4. I think every single vertebrae of that backbone is going out every week. Uh, so let me ask you about the whole Jair Alexander situation. Um, you know, I asked Mike Clemens, I said, does he feel like, you know, Matt LaFleur is losing the locker room? Mike had a long pause before he said he didn't think so. Outwardly, though, a lot of people are starting to question Matt LaFleur's grip on that locker room with a guy like Jair going rogue, Rasul Douglas, who spoke up and then gets immediately traded. Like, uh, do you think things are starting to unravel a little bit in Green Bay? It's, there's so many ways to look at this because I, there could be some truth to that. And I've heard from some players over the past couple seasons that say, yeah, you know, why is Matt LaFleur talking to a veteran this way, but a young player that way? They see some inconsistencies in, in how he coaches and how he disciplines. Um, but I, I think this is a good, a good thing for the Packers to suspend Jair Alexander. Now, it doesn't make much sense, I guess, from a football perspective when you know, you've got Justin Jefferson around the corner. This is the, the game of the season. And when he shadowed him last season, what do you have, one catch as opposed to mm-hmm. week one when he went nuts? So, I, But I, I give Green Bay credit for finally, 
finally taking a stand here. I mean, they let Aaron Rodgers do whatever the hell he wanted to by the end. I mean, it was carte carte blanche, Um, not just at the line of scrimmage, carte blanche behind the scenes to, unlike Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins, hell, he didn't need to wear a mask at at that podium. They they knew he wasn't vaccinated. And I don't care if you're vaccinated or not, but the fact that he kind of uh, played along with the lie and the Packers were okay with that said a lot, I think, about the freedom that he had behind the scenes. So, yeah, a player just elects himself a captain and then almost completely blows the, the coin toss. You, you better do something here. You better suspend that player and send a message. So I, I think it's good. I mean, it, it just it shows that the Packers are bigger than any individual player, and I think that they had gotten away from that the last few seasons. What uh, What is some of the more intriguing storylines right now in the NFL? Because we all know that, you know, there's this discussion about the MVP and obviously what Lamar Jackson did against the 49ers. That's gotten a lot of play. We know what's going on down in Miami. We know there's a lot of good games this weekend. What are the storylines, some of the storylines that you're following? Because this weekend has a lot of postseason ramifications to it. You ain't kidding. I mean, you can really uh... – you can really piss away a whole day on that New York Times simulator, can't you? <laughs> I mean, right, right, I know. When you have, <laughs> right when you think you have a conference figured out, a team figured out, um, and anything is on the table. And I, and I, it's, I, I guess it's fun, but it is, kind of, it is kind of a stinker that so many quarterbacks are hurt. I mean, this is, the NFL is just so funny to me, Bill. They, they implement all of these rules and all these fines, and they just add to the bureaucracy of the, play, of the rule book. And yet, quarterbacks are still getting hurt. I mean, that's the whole goal of it is to keep them healthy. And if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, I think all but five teams in the AFC have seen their week one starter go down. So, I don't know. That being said, I guess that's my long-winded way of saying Baltimore-Miami, you know, those are two teams that have been really good start to finish here. I think Miami's gotten a lot tougher defensively especially. And look, I mean, to kind of bring it back to Green Bay, here's the Miami defense. They've got some more star power. I get it. But they made the change at defensive coordinator. They went to Vic Fangio, and September was rough. But now they've got one of the best defenses in the NFL. To the extreme, look at the Cleveland Browns. They beat up on the Jets last night. They're, they're a team thinking they can win it all with, with Joe freaking Flacco. And a big reason is you fire Joe Woods, you hire Jim Schwartz, and it changes the, the, the total complexion of your defense. I, I feel like a coordinator change really can have a, a seismic impact like that. That's not just to let all the players off the hook. I mean, there's, there's mistakes out there and we see it. I mean, Bob, again, on our podcast, I encourage people to listen to it. Um, yeah. In painstaking detail, broke down Jair Alexander's game against the Panthers. It's as ugly as it gets. But well, I, I think that these other teams show you a coordinator change can work wonders. Yeah, I, and that's the next question is, do you feel, and, and maybe I should even ask Bob, but do you feel that it's the guys tuning out, uh, you know, Joe Barry, that it's Joe Barry's call in defense, or do you think that the talent level on defense is not anywhere near what we expect it to be? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm unabashedly pro player in most situations. I I'll admit it. Like these are the guys out there risking everything, their brains, their bodies. And there's a lot of first round picks on that defense, obviously. Uh, But that being said, when it comes to Jair Alexander, I don't know how you can see his, his specific play. And I I do think a coordinator change would change everything. But when it comes to Alexander play to play, 
Uh, it looks like somebody going through the motions. Um, it's ugly. Uh, it, there, there's instances where he's, he's loafing, and this is the highest-paid cornerback in NFL history. Right. I, I, you do wonder if Green Bay has buyer's remorse here at $21 million a year. You paid him that money after he refused to kind of stick his nose in there on Debo Samuel on third and seven. Remember that play in the divisional round yep. against the 49ers? Yep. That was so telling. I thought it was diabolical. Mm-hmm. Here's Kyle Shanahan sending Debo right at Jair Alexander and his bum shoulder. You know, remember he was recovering from that shoulder, daring him to make the tackle, and he wouldn't do it. And Green Bay paid him anyways. And there's been a lot of good as a straight-up cover corner. You know, he's had some spectacular moments. But um, like Bob said, he almost kind of carries himself like Deion Sanders. And Deion didn't like the tackle either. But Dion was a lot more consistent, and he didn't he didn't have the kind of plays that you saw at Alexander in Carolina. D, Dion though could catch a pass. He was an interception right. machine, right. and right. and Jair's not. Jair's he breaks him up, but he doesn't tackle. He's he's not sticking his nose in there for anybody. So he can break up passes and he can close a window, but he's not picking you off. I mean, this guy's never had more than four or five interceptions, I think, in a season going all the way back to college. It's not like he was an interception machine. He was just a guy that was extremely fast and could break up passes. So I maybe they do have a little bit of buyer's remorse, which is the reason they're trying to set things right now by saying, hey, you're going to go ahead and sit. And and I don't know. Some people seem to think that maybe Jair is trying to, you know, force his way out of Green Bay. Like maybe he just feels like his time here has come to an end even after he got the contract. So I, I would agree with that. Uh, I want to go back to uh, this weekend with a lot of the different teams that have something at stake. Obviously, Minnesota does. The Bears have the, – let's talk about the Bears for a second. Do you feel like the Bears are going to get rid of Justin Fields and take that first overall draft choice as a quarterback? Or do you think they're going to stick with Justin Fields and trade for more picks? I, I think they have to take the quarterback. Unless you see Caleb Williams and see red flags and, and, and don't believe that he is what everybody says he is, I guess. I haven't really dove into the draft quite yet, but kind of kind of been watching him like everybody else. And he seems, he seems special. But I think you draft the quarterback because you're resetting the, the clock. I mean, financially, it makes all the sense in the world to, to take on that rookie contract and build financially elsewhere. You might get a lot of picks for that for that player, but a, of, of eventually you're going to pay that quarterback, and, and Justin Fields is going to get more money here soon. He, it's been pretty uneven, but I don't think he's the guy. Like, I mean, have you seen enough in him to really suggest he's a franchise quarterback? My guy, you know, Jordan Love made that play against Carolina. It was kind of subtle, but you know, he rolls right. He's kind of flushed right, and Dontavian Wicks breaks off his route. And Love could have ran. He could have taken off, but he trusted a young receiver that he hasn't played with a ton to break off that route and to score a touchdown. I'm watching that. I'm thinking, you know, Fields just takes off. Anytime I watch Mm -hmm. the Bears, it's like he's still bailing on plays. If you're still bailing on plays three seasons into this thing, I I don't know how you can be trusted as as a long-term starter, I mean, let alone a 2024 starter. So, yeah, I think Chicago drafts a quarterback and – the future could be bright there. I mean, they've, they've actually built up a, a, a decent roster, especially on defense. Um, how could you not with all the high picks and all the money they've been spending? But they've been a little bit better than, than I think folks think, and that's no gimme in the finale for Green Bay. Real quick before I let you go, should Joe Flacco be with the comeback player of the year even though he's only played half a season? Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I know I live here in Buffalo, and I've actually had chicken wings with DeMar Hamlin for a feature and the dude's heart stopped on a field, and it's insane that he's playing, 
but I, I'm with you. I, I was even thinking Baker Mayfield. You know, he's on what four different yeah. teams over the course of a year, and he's been just spectacular, as everybody there at Lambeau Field saw firsthand. Yeah. I'd probably go Baker. I feel like he was really left for dead. You know, just a notch above Flacco, but. Then you watch what Flacco did last night, and I, I would not argue with that case. No, not at all. Yep, no doubt. Tyler, always great. Tell Bob hi. Happy New Year, and we will talk again real soon, okay? Absolutely, Bill. Happy New Year to you, too. Thanks so much. All right, bud. Talk to you soon. There you go. Tyler Dunn, at Ty Dunn, D-U-N-N-E, at Ty Dunn, or golongtd.com. That's golongtd.com. Again, golongtd.com. Him, Bob again. they break down the Packers. And so many other different things around the rest of the NFL as well. But uh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, and don't forget, Baker Mayfield, uh, when he talks about Baker Mayfield, he came into Lambeau Field as the only incoming uh, opposing quarterback to ever throw a perfect game, quarterback rating-wise, uh, at the Green Bay Packers. So might uh, might be a little uh, extra oomph there for Baker Mayfield as far as the comeback player of the year because he's done it all season long. But Joe Flacco, man, holy mackerel, what he's doing with Cleveland right now. That, uh, that too, is a dangerous team as well. Uh, 877-867-1670. This portion of the program brought to you by the ICHC, Irish Cultural Heritage Center. They've been, uh, been together for 30-plus years doing it on West Wisconsin Avenue in Milwaukee. They have got some really good music coming. And uh, specifically, when you look at the night before St. Patrick's Day, Cynthia is going to be in town. I can't recommend enough to get tickets to that. That is going to be an absolute party. We're going. We're taking like 20 people. We're going to be there. So if you're going to think about anything down at the ICH and you want to get into the St. Patrick's Day spirit, oh, my goodness, that's the way to go. They got themselves a a, a pub right there inside that uh, building. Uh, the stage and everything is just spectacular. And that old Celtic church, it's going to be a great night. But think about it. Tickets for Cynthia on sale right now. Go to ICHC.net. That's ICHC.net. More of the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. back good stuff with tyler dunn great to talk to him and kind of pick his brain on some of the things that uh, they're working on but uh, more so than anything that uh, kind of feels outside looking in like we're uh, we're all on the same page man but uh, there are as he pointed out there uh, there is some uh, there is some play that's uh, leaving a lot to be desired and and you know, here's the other thing. That that whole, you know, in, in listening to him talk about Bob McGinn, analyze what's on film, what's on the tape for a guy like uh, Jay Alexander, maybe they just said, you know what, we're done. We're done coddling you. We're done, you know, you, you, you just, you're, you're the highest paid guy out there and you're kind of going through the motions. So maybe uh, it is time for you to sit down and do that. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Quick Trip. And at Quick last night, how did, did anybody go? It looked like there was a pretty good crowd down at the Holiday Faceoff last night, the Quick Trip Holiday Faceoff at the Five Serve Forum. So they had some good games down there last night. It's back at it again tonight. But uh, right now, if you're out cruising around, the Buffalo Boneless Chicken Tenders are fantastic. Just wanted to let you know. If you're thinking about doing anything, maybe you're going to go out and grab yourself a quick meal, maybe something for lunch today. Stop into Quick Trip. 
I mean, they obviously have great deals right now. Nature's Touch Milk at two ninety nine a gallon, skim one percent, two percent, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but man, they've got the chicken tenders with, that are just out. Their chicken is out of this world. I brag about it all the time. And whether it's the uh, hot savings that they have, the hot saving items, the different deals that you can get, all you got to do is download that app, and you can check out all the different specials that they have. But also, you can kind of determine where your points are going to go, whether it's free burgers or you know, free beverage or whatever it happens to be. You can kind of do that, too. So good stuff uh, from our friends over there at Quick Trip. So stop in and check it out, whether it's the chicken or the milk and everything else. But uh, they have the holiday face-off uh, day two coming up tonight down at the Pfizer Forum as well. So there you have it. Uh, 877-867-1670. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Minnesota Vikings side of things. And then don't forget, final hour of the program today, Mike Clemens is going to take us the rest of the way. And again, we've got a lot to dissect uh, coming up uh, a little bit later on today when it comes to the entire week up at 1265. It has been an up and down week, we'll say. Might, might be the best way to put it inside the walls of Lambeau Field. So we're going to get into all of that with Mike Clemens coming up here in just a little bit as well. I got a lot of different stuff off of the live stream and emails that have come in. So I want to get into that when we come back after the top of the hour. There's a lot of, man, I, I, I said this yesterday, there's a lot of opinion that's floating around. And I, that's, that's one of the worst things about this season. There's not a ton of consensus. So the question is, do you really know? Do we really know? And if you don't really know, come to the end of the season, then you've got to throw a dart at a dartboard as to what you're going to fix, right? Bill Michael Show. Stay tuned. More coming up right after this.